Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the About Review Podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. This podcast is always chock full of interviews, reviews, and geek news, and this week is no exception, except for the interviews, which there are none of, and reviews, which there are also none of on this episode, but geek news, well, we got you covered there. And by we, I mean me, because I'm alone in the studio this week, and my dear listeners who have been listening for a while, every time I'm in the studio by myself, I feel like I'm going crazy because the only thing in here are the microphones and computer monitors and me and a notebook. So yeah, a little bit weird, but this week the episode is actually coming out early because I wanted to make sure that you guys have some fresh bit of news. And since there are not really any movies that need to be covered that have not already been covered on previous episodes, I thought it was a good time to do a quick solo show. So here it is. The podcast itself that I forgot to mention where it was on social media is at about to review Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, Alexa via TuneIn, anywhere you can get a podcast, it is there. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttreview.com which also has full links to the show notes and guests. Again, the guests of which, they're not on this episode. It is just me. So, uh, you can find my links, though, in the show notes. Uh, Before we get into this episode, which is just a bunch of geek news uh, and some exciting podcast awards discussions, uh, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damian Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So the first bit of exciting, very, very exciting news, and also the reason that this episode is dropping earlier than it normally does, which is on Wednesday. So the About Review podcast, uh, this podcast you're listening to right now, is up for a national podcast award put on by podcastaward.com. Imagine that. Uh, It is super exciting. I'm honored to be on that list. Uh, The list right now is long. There are like 48 podcasts in the TV and film category, of which this podcast is a part of. Only the top 10 of those podcasts is eligible for the kind of grand prize, the podcast of the year in that TV and film category. So I need your help, dear listeners. This is what we call in the industry a call to action. So in the description, in the episode description below, There will be a link to the Podcast Awards website. And with that one, you do have to put in your name, first name, last name, and email. So they do a verification of that. And you can vote for this podcast in two different categories. The People's Choice category and also the TV and Film category. You can also use that same website to look at all of the other categories like comedy and family and all of those 
If one of your other favorite podcasts is listed, absolutely use that opportunity to vote for them as well. But more importantly, because I'm selfish, make sure to vote for the About to Review podcast in those two categories, the People's Choice category and the TV and Film category. The voting for that specific award closes on July 31st, which is Tuesday. So it is very important that you get in there, click the link that is in the show notes, head on over and vote for this podcast. And if I make that top 10, you can guarantee that I will be blasting social media with even more links to then continue the voting process. And I think they announced those ones in, I want to say September or maybe October No, on World Podcast Day, which I think is September 30th. I should probably know that, but I do not. So yeah, that is the the really important one because it is time sensitive. You have, by the time this episode drops, like 24 hours to go and vote for this podcast. So I would really appreciate it. Thank you guys for doing that and supporting the show in every way that you do, whether it is in tweets and likes and all of that. But if you could vote for the podcast, that would be great. The other podcast award, yes, not one, but two different awards, or rather award systems, award companies, whatever. Uh, there are two different things that are going on the National Podcast Awards. I think it is actually international, which would be even more incredible if I were to make that top 10 and eventually win. It is a long shot, but that would be incredible. But the other one that I have been talking about on pretty much every episode for the past few weeks is the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards. Now with that one, you can actually vote for this podcast in three different categories. The favorite Northwest podcast, the answer is about Treeview. The geek of the year, which would be me, that guy named John, or you could put John Reviewer, which is how you can find me on Facebook for those of you who do not already know that. Uh, and then question number 10 is where do you consume your geekdom? I would love for you to put in the About Treeview podcast. So those are two different podcast awards that this podcast has been nominated for. One is local in the Renton area, which is outside of Seattle, but still local. The other one is international, and that one closes on 31st. The Renton City Comic Con, that one I think goes until September 1st. Still kind of waiting on some details about that one. But yeah, I wanted to make sure to throw that out there right off the top of the show so you guys had that information. And it would mean a lot to me if you voted. Once you vote, if you want to hit me up on Twitter or something and give a thumbs up, that would be great. And use the hashtag I voted. I'm pretty sure I would be the only podcast, only person who would be using that hashtag I voted. Nobody ever really uses that. So it will not get buried by like hundreds of thousands of other tweets. So yeah, hit me up on social media, say that you voted, and that would be amazing. Now that we had that taken care of, we can delve right into the geek news of this week. The first item, I've been excited about this movie that is coming out in October of 2020 for, I want to say a year. It is the live action adaptation of Mulan. So they just announced another new cast member, and that is Jason Scott Lee. Those of you who do not know Jason Scott Lee is, you obviously did not see the live-action version of The Jungle Book or Dragon of Bruce Lee story. 
or one of his recent projects, was, which was the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, it was called Sword of Destiny, and it went straight to Netflix, and it was real bad. So ignore that one, uh, where his where he played a guy whose name was Hades. Just ignore that. But Jason Scott Lee is a great actor, and not only that, he is one of several cast members of this live-action version of Mulan who is a legitimate martial artist. After Jason Scott Lee played Bruce Lee in Dragon the Bruce Lee Story, he started actually training in Bruce Lee's style, which was, or is, Jeet Kune Do. Since then, he has continued practicing martial arts, and he is actually a certified instructor in Jeet Kune Do. So that is awesome by itself, let alone some of the other castmates that he is going to be surrounded by, like Gong Li, Jet Li, Crystal Yifei, who is going to be playing Mulan, Donnie Yen, Ron Yoon. This movie is just packed with amazing actors and martial artists. I'm on board with this. The awesome thing about Mulan is that technically it is in public domain because the story is from like, you know, 600 years ago, 300 years ago, something like that. So anybody can do a Mulan story. It cannot have the music in it because that is trademarked by Disney. Even though they will not be able to sing, I can make, I'll make a man out of you and some of my other favorites that I could sing the entire musical of right now. I'm excited just to see a live action adaptation of this, especially with this type of cast. I always talk about how representation matters. I get real nervous when they start casting these live action adaptations because you just never really know. This one, totally on board for. The cast looks incredible. So, and Jason Scott lead. This will be his, let me see, one third Disney type project. So he was in the live action version of The Jungle Book. He is now in Mulan. He actually played Aladdin in, I think, like a two part uh, made for TV movie. I think it was Arabian Nights or something. So the guy is awesome. So, totally on board for the live-action adaptation of Mulan, which comes out October 2020. They keep dropping awesome casting news, so and all of them I get excited about. So that should be awesome. Next one, next bit of news. So the Dune movie, which I was also conflicted about only because as cheesy as the original one was, I love that film. The Sci-Fi Channel version that was more of a series Definitely was more true to the books, but it suffered from TV budget limitations from back then when it came out. These days, TV budgets are insane, but with this new movie that they're doing, I was hesitant about it. Then they got Denny Villeneuve attached to it to direct it. He did Blade Runner 2049. He was nominated for an Oscar for Arrival. He did Sicario, which was an incredible film. So I became less worried about it as I heard that because visually, I have no doubt in his abilities. He will crush it visually. The story of Dune, and I have all of the books, even the ones that do not make any sense because I try to shoehorn them into the middle and tell weird stories. The movie... Is, is going to be dense because the source material is dense. They just announced 
that the movie that is coming out, the live action Dune movie coming out in, I think, 2020 as well, is going to is only going to focus on the first half of the book. That is a smart play because trying to fit all of the Dune book into one would be challenging. I think especially with modern audiences, those of us who know the source material, you already have our money. We are already going to see this. The general audience watching this galactic, uh, not necessarily Romeo and Juliet, but kind of sort of Romeo and Juliet with the Harkonnens and the Atreides with these odd creatures everywhere and the spice. I think that there, there might be a little bit of a disconnect. So focusing on the first part of the book, which is mainly the political intrigue side, I think is a good way to hook people. And in the second movie, hopefully they get a chance to make it. And hopefully the first one does well enough where they're not scared. By the time you get the second movie, then you can go to Arrakis. Then you can show the sandworms. Then you can do all of those you know, aspects of the book that would be harder to do all in one movie, especially at the scope and scale that somebody like Denny Villeneuve will want to do. So I'm excited for it. I think it is a smart move to hook people in, to only give them one aspect of the storyline before going just full bore into giant space monsters that live under the sand and the spice. And yeah, it could, it could get weird, but I'm on board for that uh, and excited for it. Uh, Altered Carbon Season 2. They just announced who will be cast in that. I was, I think, one of the like 200 people who watched Altered Carbon Season 1 and enjoyed it. Was it problematic in certain areas? Yes. Did I still like the concepts and the world building? Absolutely. So Season 2, they just announced that Anthony Mackie will be taking over the role as Takeshi Kovacs. Now, Takeshi Kovacs, this is another one of those complicated stories because immediately you had the people who got real upset because they they thought it was another kind of ghost in the shell type of situation because you have this character, Takeshi Kovacs, who is played by Joel Kinnaman, but he is only in a sleeve and he actually is Takeshi Kovacs on the inside it is just his physical body that is different and it gets a little bit messy, uh, but I enjoyed the system and the future that they were building on. And it was based off of a series of books by Richard K. Morgan. And in those books, Takeshi is constantly switching sleeves. The story jumps over hundreds of years, different planets, different worlds. So they can kind of play around with this and it could be interesting to have Again, could be interesting if it moves forward to then get a mixture of different actors. But I think through that lens of representation and I think certain people are justifiably going to be a little bit weirded out by this. Again, in season two, being like, okay, your name is Takeshi Kovacs. You originally looked like this person. You were in one sleeve. All right, we kind of get used to that, whatever. At the end of season one something happens and then now in season two that same character is going to be played by Takeshi Ko- or played by Takeshi Kovacs played by Anthony Mackie so 
Anthony Mackie, I think, needs something different. He needs something. Also, he needs something to do. We're not really sure what is going to happen post Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in the meantime, he is a working actor. He needs to take projects. I like the world building with Altered Carbon. For a Netflix show, the budget was crazy. And I think most of it worked. There were only a couple scenes, a couple things where I was like, okay, you can see the you know cracks in it. You can see the edges, if you were. But still, it was a really impressive world that they built. So I liked season one. It was not fantastic, but I, but I enjoyed it. I'm on board for season two, especially with Anthony Mackie. I think he is a solid actor. I'm, I will be interested to see what his take is on this character that essentially we have seen two different versions of already. We see the original actors, Takeshi Kovacs. We then see Joel Kinnaman's version of that same character. And now we get to see Anthony Mackie's version and how it compares to those first two. So it will be interesting. Uh, they have not announced when it officially is going to be dropping on Netflix, but it was greenlit, set up Anthony Mackie, and we'll kind of just go from there and see when it happens. Uh, the <laughs> the match made in merchandise heaven that I have been talking about and everybody has been reporting on for weeks, Fox and Disney, they finally made it official and they are, Disney is buying a majority of Fox, actually pretty much all of Fox, for just a low, low price of $71.3 billion with a B. This is after Comcast kind of was in the race for a little bit and Disney offered like $54 billion. Comcast kind of laid down their thing on the table and was like, this is what we can do. And then Disney was like, really? That Okay, that is cute. How about 71.3? So it is official. They are going to be merging. This means that Disney will have access as far as the geek realm. The exciting things that this could do, they now can bring in the X-Men. They can bring in the Fantastic Four. They could bring in Deadpool if they wanted to. They essentially have almost all of the Marvel characters that you could ever want to see in a movie at some point, or not even in that, not even in the same movie in individual franchises that actually will make sense. Unlike any of the fantastic four movies at all. I'm looking at you, Roger Corman from 1994. So this is interesting. Some people kind of thought that at the end of infinity war, no spoilers, but really you should have already seen it. There's a pager scene at the end. It shows a symbol that I had to explain to a lot of people what that symbol meant. If they had been able to show the symbol for the Fantastic Four or the X-Men, the theater would have exploded. So having these recognizable characters and franchises enveloped, or not even enveloped, but just part of one company at least could be something where they're like, okay, Kevin Feige obviously knows how to run this show, how to set up a world and multiple worlds and have everything connect in some way. I guarantee he has already been working on ways to fold in certain characters even before this was official. He is a very smart man, 
So you can work on that as soon as Disney gives you a call or Marvel or whoever. And they're like, all right, Kevin, it is official. Go. I'm, you know that he can just lay a stack of scripts on the table and just be ready to go. So it it is weird because it then becomes this odd monopoly type of thing where I really don't like Comcast in general because of that. Now you have Disney and Fox merging. It, it is a powerhouse. Like I said, it is a match made in merchandise heaven. It, it, I, I still am a little bit concerned because then everything is in kind of one house of cards almost. But still, as a geek, without industry knowledge or whatever, if I were not looking at it like that, I would not care. If they give me the Fantastic Four and X-Men movies that are solid and make sense and they can build towards something, 100% on board. What this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out is with the movies that were already in the pipeline. Like New Mutants, which already got pushed back six... No, no, got pushed back like eight months. We were supposed to get that this year, in 2018. Not happening. With Dark Phoenix, which... Ugh, who cares about it? It already looks like trash. We were supposed to get that this year. They pushed that back. What that means for those movies, we will have to see. I mean, they could take the opportunity to at least layer in a couple pieces of things to try and make it part of the larger universe. Who knows? Or they could just be like, all right, those movies are pretty much done. Some final editing, just release it. We are fine. So only time will tell with that, but it could lead to some very interesting next steps for those movies that are already in the pipeline and pretty much already done so we will see but yeah that that has been something i've been talking about for a while it finally happened 71.3 billion dollars that is so much money ridiculous amounts of money uh speaking of other distribution companies that made interesting moves so andy circus has been working on mowgli his adaptation of the rudyard kipling jungle book story, which again, is in public domain. Anybody can do a Jungle Book movie based on that book. They just cannot include those songs, which Disney, of course, owns the copyright to for another gajillion years or however long it is. The last Jungle Book movie that we got, the live action one with heavy CGI, made almost a billion dollars. It was like 966, I think, at final count. That is madness. Andy Serkis's version is going to be darker, definitely from what we have seen so far in like the one trailer. At CinemaCon this past year, they debuted some more footage, but they have not released that yet. But from what we can see, probably going to be a little bit darker uh, for this one. The cast again for this is is massive. There's only going to be most likely one human in this, similar to again, the last live-action Jungle Book movie we got, which had all CGI, everything. But Andy Serkis is on board. This is like this is his project. He is helming this. He is the patron saint of CGI characters after doing everything that he did with the Planet of the Apes franchise, Gollum. Like, what he will do now that he kind of has 
his own sandbox to be like, okay, this is what I can do with this type of story. Uh, will also be interesting. I feel like I have been saying interesting 15 times. This is again what happens when I do not have somebody in the studio to bounce things off of. Uh, but yeah, so back to the cast. The cast of this, so you have Benedict Cumberbatch as Shere Khan, Kate Blanchett as Ka, Christian Bale as Bagheera, Naomi Harris as Nisha, Andy Serkis as Baloo, which Bill Murray played in the last version. I mean, Matthew Reese, Peter Mullen, Tom Hollander, Jack Rayner, Eddie Marson, packed. And then, of course, Mowgli is being played by Rohan Shand, who has not really been in a ton of stuff. Like, he is a still a young kid. Uh, he was in that movie Bad Words, uh, which was Jason Bateman's directorial debut, which I really liked. So, but yeah, the big news as far as distribution, Warner Brothers was making a big push to get distribution for Mowgli. And they're setting it for an October date. Turns out, Netflix grabbed it. So Netflix is now going to be distributing this massive CGI masterpiece. Nah, masterpiece. I have not seen the movie yet. CGI piece. There we go. That was real elegant. Uh, they will be showing this on Netflix, but similar to what they did with like Mudbound, and I think first they killed my father is they're going to release this in certain markets in a certain amount of theaters, which basically they're doing some inside baseball. They do that so they can qualify for the Oscars. To qualify for the Oscars, you have to be released in major theaters for X amount of days and X amount of theaters, X amount of screens. Sure, Netflix. That means, again, like Mudbound, it will show up for a weekend on a bunch of screen, random screens throughout the country just so they can go to the Academy and be like, see, we can now qualify for an Oscar because we were in theaters. Netflix is going to be doing that same thing with Mowgli. I will tell you this. It is going to be so surreal to go to a theater because there is no way that I'm just going to watch this at home. I'm already in the bag for this movie, but I'm seeing this on a huge screen at some point. When I'm sitting in the chair for the theater and I hear, ba-bum, and the Netflix logo pops up, that is going to be weird to me. <laughs> so, but I'm on board for it because good for Netflix. Warner Brothers, for whatever reason, maybe not decided to pass on it. That might not be the right language. But for whatever reason, whatever deals they have, Netflix, you know, won that battle to be able to be the distributor. So good for Netflix. I'm excited for this. As I have said on previous podcasts, as a young brown kid growing up, I had Aladdin and Mowgli as my kind of representation. And of I mean, Captain Planet was a little bit later, Kwame, but that was kind of it. So I'm always interested in Jungle Book versions. So of course, I'm going to see this. I can watch it in the comfort of my home, but I know that I'm going to see this in the theater. So that, that I almost said interesting again. I'm barring myself from saying interesting again on this episode. So, yeah, I'm on board. Uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. they made some official cast announcements, which some of which made total sense. John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Lupe de Nuango, Damo Gleeson, Kelly Marie Tran, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord. But they announced two other characters. Uh, last week's episode, we talked about 
uh, Lando, you know, being cast again, which is awesome because Billy D coming back in that role just makes sense. I really, really do not want them to bring him back just to kill him. Just let him be a smuggler, man. Just let him live. The two other interesting casting decisions or choices or revelations is not only will Mark Hamill be returning, but Carrie Fisher will be returning. And J.J. Abrams, in an interview when he kind of broke that news, talked about how he said, we desperately loved Carrie Fisher. Finding a truly satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga without her eluded us. We were never going to recast or use a CG character. With the support and blessing from her daughter, Billy, we have found a way to honor Carrie's legacy and role as Leia in Episode 9 by using unseen footage we shot together in Episode 8. I know how hard it was to see Carrie Fisher on the screen in Episode 8, especially when there were three different fake-out moments that could have kind of capped her story especially knowing that Carrie Fisher had had already passed by the time that was getting released and everybody was really emotional. They faked us out three times in episode eight. So it will be hard to see her now in episode nine, especially with this unseen footage. Whenever companies and TV producers or movie producers try and do this, sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it just feels off. So I'm, I'm just hoping with whatever they do, it just makes cohesive sense. Uh, it will be amazing to see her again. I, I, unfortunately, this is definitely going to be something where they're going to have that footage. There's going to have to be a funeral at some point in this movie for her. I, I just, there's no way they can avoid it. Uh, with Mark Hamill coming back, that one is not too surprising, especially when you think about Force Ghosts. I mean, he can just kind of pop up anywhere. He can be giving Daisy Ridley you know, some pep talks and encouragement just like Yoda did. So that one is not super surprising, but Carrie Fisher, that one is just going to, is kind of going to break my heart. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But Carrie Russell was also added to the cast list. The rumors are that she is going to be uh, Daisy Ridley's mother, but who could that be? And you know, what is, were her parents really nobody? Like they said in episode eight, Spoiler alert, absolutely not. I understand the reasoning and the methodology of anybody can be special. Anybody can be force sensitive. Anybody can have a connection with the force and do X, Y, and Z. Cool. I believe that. There is no way, I have said it before, I will say it again. There is no way that she is just from random parents. She is connected somehow to the greater kind of Skywalker saga. Not legacy necessarily, because I do not think she's a Skywalker, but the saga. And again, J.J. Abrams used very interesting words when he said the, you know, uh, let me go back to it. He said, uh, da, 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 da. oh yeah, the satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga, which is episode nine. That is awesome. There are so many unique avenues that they could be going down outside of the Skywalker saga Personally, I'm a little bit excited as to what those next steps are. So whether it is Thrawn, which I will keep saying until the cows come home, that would be great to see. Give me a giant blue skin alien up there. That would be fantastic. So yeah, the two of those, technically three of those casting, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Carrie Russell. Uh, 
should be solid. Uh, one of the other, one of the last things, Stranger Things Season 3, which we were hoping to get this year, at the TCAs, the Television Critics Association, they announced that it will not be coming back until summer of 2019. That sucks. Uh, in the meantime, they dropped an awesome retro commercial for the mall, which I will put in the show notes below. Giving myself a note to do that right now. Notes. Uh... They put out a solid just kind of teaser for season three. They have gone on to say that season three has more CGI and kind of more character, more digital kind of creations. And that takes time. It absolutely takes time, especially if you want to do it well. So the fact that they're taking their time with it, they have my support and they have my confidence. So yeah, Stranger Things season three, not until summer of 2019. Uh, And then the last bit of of news so remember somebody and if i were really good at editing slash if i were really good at finding the things to edit and then ask damien kindly to put them in here i would cut in parts of the episodes where i talked about how movie pass is just not long for this world and i've been telling people for months use it while you can because the other companies are going to roll out their own systems like it and crush movie pass Shocking. Guess what is happening? AMC came out with their own called A-List. Regal came out with theirs. I forget what it is called. Alamo Drafthouse just rolled out their own monthly movie package. In the meantime, MoviePass ran out of money. Like legitimately ran out of money. And at the the kind of midnight hour, they had to borrow just a little sum of $5 million to pay their bills. Like it was... They had to like file an SEC filing to get the $5 million from a parent company and just like so they could cover their operating costs. This all happened last week on like Wednesday or Thursday. And then from there, they have been experiencing horrible service delays. Mission Impossible, huge movie that opened last weekend. Nobody was able to use MoviePass for Mission Impossible. Uh, the app started crashing. People were not able to get tickets to other shows. I, I hate to see this because I, I was a supporter of the idea of MoviePass, which is giving people more opportunities to see different things. Tim and I, the People's Critic, he and I have talked about it before where a lot of people were like, oh, I might not normally see this, but I have MoviePass, so I might as well. I love that idea. I love that people are expanding their kind of range and seeing different things because of the low cost. The fact that this has just been, this has been crashing and burning for months is a problem. So with AMC doing theirs, I think it was like 20 bucks a month. And you can see any movie, including IMAX and everything. It just makes more sense. And that is a chain that is not going anywhere. So MoviePass is just, it is not long for this world. Uh, We will pour one out for MoviePass when the time comes. I feel like that time is is coming and not very long. I said before that I did not think it would make it through 2018. We're in July. So it is is getting a little close. So, but yeah, that kind of wraps it up for this episode, uh, the solo show with just me, your host, that guy named John in the studio. Uh, The important things, like I mentioned at the top of the show, two different awards that you can vote for this podcast for. The local award is from Renton City Comic Con. Uh, The link for that, of course, will be in the show notes. 
There are three categories that you can vote for this podcast for. Favorite Northwest podcast. That is question number eight. Uh, question number nine is Geek of the Year. You can put that guy named John or John Reviewer. Question 10, where do you consume your geekdom about to review? And then the National Podcast Award, International Podcast Award. Uh, you can vote for the People's Choice as well as the TV and film category. When you go on the website, and again, the link is below, click that, fill in your name, email, all of that, and then it will bring up all of the categories. So if you just go down to TV and film, About to Review is the first one, first selection. <laughs> click that, go to the People's Choice. Uh, there are some ones with like hashtags before About to Review, but still, it is close to the top. I would absolutely love your ongoing support in voting for those two, especially the national, international one. It ends this Tuesday. So you don't have much time. There's an event on Facebook. If you go to facebook.com slash about review, there's a, an event page there for it, just kind of as a reminder. So when I put up updates on there, it goes to anybody who kind of responded to that event page. So it keeps you up to date. So uh, that has been it for this week's episode of the About to Review podcast. Uh, next week, I'm not quite sure what the episode is going to be about because of the two screenings that I have this week that I cannot talk about because of embargoes, I am not sure when I will be able to review those. Sorry for being so vague, but them's the rules. Uh, so if actually, if you have suggestions for next week's episode, uh, hit me up on social media at about review or send me an email about review at gmail.com. I know there are certain listeners I'm not going to name names, but you know who you are, who have been wanting me to do more countdown issues, uh, issues, countdown episodes, like my top 10 favorite musicals. That has been kind of bounced around, not even joking, for like a year and a half, and I have not done it yet. So, but yeah, if you have an idea for an episode that you would like me to cover or something that you saw on Netflix or something interesting, hit me up. Uh, the other thing is this Friday, nope, this coming Monday. The sixth uh, will be the 48-hour film project best of screening. Uh, it is local, of course, here in Seattle. The About Review podcast is a proud sponsor of the 48-hour film project. Uh, this podcast is sponsoring the best of genre. So like the best use of character, best use of line of dialogue, genre, uh, and yeah, character, dialogue. Oh, and the prop. So that best of screening will be on Monday, the 6th here locally. Details for that will be in the show notes below. I highly encourage people, go support local independent creators. Not just, you know, going to your local independent theater. That is also great. Seeing these film festivals in your town and you get to meet the filmmakers, the actors, the people behind the scenes, especially for a 48-hour film project challenge, always impresses me. So uh, I definitely will be doing a recap of that on next week's episode. Uh, so yeah, the links for all of those will be in the show notes below. So for this week's episode of the About to Review podcast, I have been your host, as always, that guy named John. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review. Uh, like, subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And go to abouttoreview.com for full links to the show notes and guests. That is it. It is weird not having somebody that I intro or not intro, that I do the outro with. So I'm just going to awkwardly say, we will see you next time. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. 
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.